presence of God that's here this morning. It's not like he wasn't here before. Sometimes God just lets us in on it, you know. God just sort of changes the atmosphere. What an incredible presence of the Lord. I'm glad to see you today in the middle of the summer. It's been, boy, it's been hot, but we want the power and the fire of God's Spirit to be here too today. So let's let the Holy Spirit get hot among us. Amen. We're, of course, in the uh, series called Viral. Uh, when you think of the word viral, we usually think of, some of us think of like diseases, but people a lot younger than me don't think about that. They think about YouTube, what goes viral there. Here's what we're talking about. Either one of them, it's this, that there are things in this world that when they hit the right place, the right time, man, boom, it's out there, it's gone. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. When Christianity was born on the day of Pentecost, in just a few short years, it touched the entire known world at the time. Incredible. The gospel is viral. We've been talking about that every week in our study. Last week, uh, Pastor Amber did such an incredible job. Uh, Amber spoke and talked about how God uses the unlikely to touch the unlikely. On people who you would never believe that God would use or that God would touch that he does. So we're going to sort of continue in that vein today, okay? We're going to be looking at uh, Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to be going. Um, when Peggy and I lived in Springfield, Missouri, uh, I, I was in uh, working on my master's degree there for about a year and a half or so. We were there, and, I, and in that interim time before we came back to Kingwood, uh, we pastored a church. It was a very small church on the bad side of town. <laughs> it was a struggle, struggling church. And uh, Faith Assembly of God, it, was, it took a lot of faith to be there. It took a lot of faith to live in the neighborhood. And, uh, but there was a, one of our members, her name was Sister MacMillan. We called her Sister Mac. Uh, she was this, she was, uh, 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 she'd been there forever. She was a, a tall-haired, very, um, very conservative lady. Uh, she was a super conservative lady, very legalistic, actually. She loved Jesus but was so steeped in this legalistic rules thing about religion that sometimes it didn't help the church. You know what I mean? It, it sort of didn't help at all. Uh, she was especially focused on how women ought to dress, okay? Let me just say that. That was her special calling. Uh, we were trying to win our neighborhood to the Lord. We were trying to share with everybody we could in the neighborhood to come and visit us at the church. And one Sunday morning, these two teenage girls that we had invited, showed up at Faith Assembly. And uh, I saw them coming and I tried to get to them, but Sister Mac got to them first. And um, uh, Sister Mac said as they entered the door, girls, you cannot come in the Lord's house looking like that. When you can go home and get something decent to wear, you can come back. Well, I was furious. I just came through like a tornado. And put Sister Mac aside, and I, I, as they were going out the door, I, I came out and I apologized for what Sister Mac had said. And I, unbelievably, I coaxed them back into the sanctuary. They sat on the back row. Peggy sat with them. And, um, and, and, you know, it was just one of those days I'll never forget. It was an agonizing day. Agonizing day. It was one of those, it was a PR moment that a struggling church so didn't need. That was it. 
You see, Sister Mac, she was, a, she was an insider. She'd been there forever. She sort of had it all down, had it all pat. Now, she loved the Lord. I'm not taking that away. She was an insider. Today, I'm going to talk to you just a few minutes about insiders and outsiders. Um, I'm going to have two simple points and ask one simple question to everybody. That's my purpose today. If you go with me to Acts chapter 10, we're going to start. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, if you'll follow with me. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were very devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed regularly to God. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came and said to him, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel of the Lord spoke to him at that had spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called his two servants, a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now Cornelius was a highly educated Roman. He had been sent to Israel as an important military leader in the Roman occupation force. He was a leader of at least a hundred crack soldiers because he was called a centurion. He obviously had been affected by the religion of the Jews. He probably was one of those Romans who despised the silly myths and stories that the Roman gods had. You know, there was this one that married this one and they do all these crazy things in the heavenlies. He probably despised that Roman religion and was, uh, the scripture reveals that he was searching for God. They, they called him a God-fearer. Now, a God-fearer is not someone who's a Jewish person. It's someone who is sort of going in the direction of, the, of believing in God. Uh, he had even learned to do some Jewish things like pray. He had probably watched Jewish people pray and he had thought he would pray to their God and he had watched them give alms. The Jews had to, it was a rule that you had to give uh, alms or help to poor people at certain times during the day and the year. And so he, he was doing those things regularly. He was praying to God and giving alms, that was really all that he was allowed to do. Hey guys, he couldn't go to the synagogue. You know why? Because he was a Roman. He couldn't go to the temple because he was a Gentile. A Gentile is someone who's not a Roman. I mean, not a Jew. Not uh, Greeks. Uh, you know, most of us in the room, we're Gentile. I mean, we're, we're not Jewish by blood. And that's what he was. He couldn't be a part of the community of the Jewish people. He couldn't be a part of the community of faith. In Israel, the Jews were the insiders and the Romans and the Gentiles were the outsiders. Just being a hated Roman soldier was enough to keep him out of, out of the synagogue. But there is something truly amazing that happened here. Now listen to this. The Jewish God sent an angel to talk to, to show favor to, to give specific instructions to 
an outsider named Cornelius. Hmm, that's odd. Now, I can understand God sending an angel to smash a Roman soldier. We can understand how the angel might come and, and punish a Roman soldier or humiliate a Roman soldier. But this angel acted as if God was Cornelius' friend. Ooh, how odd of God to do such a thing to an outsider. Well, meanwhile, let's see what was going on in the life of an insider at the very same time. A good old Jewish boy who was also a follower of Jesus. So if you'll go with me to Acts 11, I'm going to read a few verses there. This is talking about Peter, okay? Peter's giving his testimony here. He said, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts and reptiles and birds. And then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill them and eat them. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or clean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now this happened three times. And then it was all pulled back up into heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. Whoa. Now, Peter, the opposite of Cornelius, a very poorly educated, uh, not highly thought of man in Jewish society, was still an insider. Just the fact that he was a religious Jewish guy made him an insider. He could go to the synagogue. He could go to the temple. He could participate in religious service. And even though he had become a disciple of Jesus and wasn't really in good standing with the Jewish leaders, he still was an insider. He got to go to those places. He got to participate like every other Jewish man did in his day. But... Peter was still steeped in Jewish rules and regulations. You know, even if you believed in Jesus as Messiah, there are just certain things that a Jewish man, that, that he just couldn't do. Like, like eat certain foods that were not kosher. Now, the word kosher means foods that are allowed. That's what the word kosher means. Jews had forbidden foods like pork, oysters, lobster, alligator, Cheeseburgers, things like that. You might, you might not get along with the Jewish leaders about Jesus of Nazareth, but you definitely agreed with them on what restaurant to go to. You were allowed to go to McKosher and Kosher Filet, Kosher Barrel, Kosher Bell, Kosher Corral. Yet he had a vision from God of non-kosher animals coming down out of heaven on a big tablecloth. A tablecloth for a reason, like eat them, okay? Slaughter them, cook them, eat them, Peter. And Peter thought, well, this has to be a test from God to see how faithful I am. Oh, no, Lord, I would never do that. But it was repeated three times. Three times. I guess one of them for the Father, one of them the Son, one of them the Holy Spirit. I don't know. 
I'm sure there was a reason. And then all of a sudden, three men showed up. And guess who it was? It was the men that Cornelius, who had been told to send three men. By the way, did you see the detail on that? Cornelius, send three men to Joppa, go to Simon the Tanner's house, which is by the sea. Gave them specific instructions. And there asked for another guy named Simon, who's also called Peter. That was amazing. See, when God wants to reveal something, he can get as detailed as he wants. Well, at that very moment, those guys arrived, and the Spirit said, Peter, let these guys in your house. By the way, they were Gentiles. Have a conversation with them. And so Peter just said, hey, I'm going with it. I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. So he let these outsiders in his house to have a conversation. By the way, I want to tell you something. The Jewish people were so scared of Gentiles that tradition tells us, in fact, Josephus and some of the guys that wrote it this day said that Jewish men would walk through the streets of Jerusalem with their robes on, you know. They would hold their robes tightly around them so that the robe wouldn't swish against some Gentile because then they would have to go through some kind of a cleansing ritual because they had been tainted by Gentile touch. That's how it was. It was awful. Now, Think, think about this. Gentiles were called yard dogs by the Jews. Not in the Scripture. The scripture doesn't tell them to call them yard dogs. They just did it. They called them dogs. They called them yard dogs. Why? Because they were idol worshipers and they ate pork. <laughs> After all, God's people were the chosen people. The Jews were the chosen. They didn't need to get tainted by Gentile germs. Peter grew up from boyhood hearing those stories. It's hard to get that stuff out of your mind. Folks, I want to tell you this. Jesus grew up in those neighborhoods hearing the same stories. Listen to me. Jesus grew up. I'm sure his mom and dad wanted him to be a good practicing Jew. I'm sure they taught him how to hold his robes together so that he wouldn't swish up against a Gentile. I am certain that they, they told him about the kosher laws. They told him all those things. Jesus grew up that way too. In the land of Israel, Jews were the insiders. The Roman Gentiles were the outsiders. End of discussion. That's just the way it was. It looks like unfair prejudice to us, but that's the way it was. I can sort of relate to the way Peter and Jesus grew up. And some of you in the room can do the same. Some of you may have read the book that I recently wrote. Um, I released about a year ago, and I'm going to mention a couple of details that are in the book that it explains more thoroughly. But when I was a young boy growing up here in Alabama, um, there were some rules that were there were there were separate things for African Americans and white folks separate restrooms and schools and eating establishments and water fountains and churches I can remember seeing whites only signs I can remember seeing colored signs on certain doors I distinctly remember in the doctor's office in my little hometown of Ashland there was called the Ashland Clinic There were two doors on the porch. One said white, one said colored. And there were two separate waiting rooms to see the same doctors. And I remember as a little boy asking my mom, 
My mom, my mom was really special. <laughs> I, I asked my mom, I remember sitting there, she would, whenever we were sick, she would sit by us and she would twirl our hair to try to make us feel good. And I can remember sitting there and, and looking and asking mom, why can't I go over there? Why can't I go in the other door? Because I wanted to see what it looked like over there. And mom said, well, you just can't. And I said, why? And my mother would respond with things like, uh, Mark, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, just the way things are. Mom, it doesn't seem fair. Mom would say, it's not fair and it's not right. But it's just the way things are right now. Looking back, I could see that my mom, and, my mom felt change coming. <laughs> and, I th- and thank God it did. Those were, that was awful. <laughs> But I can honestly imagine what kind of conversation the child Jesus had with his mother Mary about the same things. I can see that. Jewish culture was old and proud and entrenched and immovable. But it wasn't God's fault. The Jews had twisted the Old Testament law into something ugly. Something that was unchangeable. But now... With the coming of the Holy Spirit, the new wine of the Holy Spirit had come. And it arrived through through the Christian faith. And it was about to make a huge statement to the world. And this old way of doing things was not going to work anymore. I want you to look at Acts chapter 10 verse 44. Listen to this. This is incredible. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came all the ones who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, the outsiders. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ. You see, God supernaturally organized a meeting between a bunch of insiders who followed Jesus and some outsiders at Cornelius' home. It was like God sent angels and visions to both of those guys to somehow force them to get together and see what God was trying to say. Peter was explaining to them about Jesus. I could see, in fact, the Bible sort of tells us this. Peter was going, now, I know that you know it's not right for us to be in the house here. And it's real unusual for us to do this. But God must have ordered this. Let me tell you a little bit about Jesus. He's telling them about salvation, about how, what Jesus did when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, while he was teaching, the Holy Spirit fell on the group. And the outsiders started speaking in tongues and prophesying. And Peter and the insiders flipped out. They completely flipped out. And Peter said, not only has the, have these outsiders received step one, salvation, they've moved on to step two and are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Good grief. So Peter says to his insider friends, how can we refuse baptism, membership in the church, How can we refuse that to these outsiders? They've received everything we insiders have already received. (laughs) Cornelius and his Gentile 
household had been shut out of Jewish synagogue, shut out of the Jewish temple, shut out of membership in the Jewish family of God, but they were not shut out of the church of Jesus Christ. Yes. They were not shut out. God's real heart had been revealed here. God's real heart was revealed. God had not chosen the Jews as people so that they could exclude themselves and isolate themselves. God had chosen them to be his people so that they would show the light to the world. But they hadn't done that. They had done the opposite. They turned everything inward. And now God was setting everything straight. Yes. That brings me to my first point today. I bet you wondered if I was going to get there. Here's my first point today. This is the overwhelming lesson that we learn from this. Number one, God doesn't play favorites. Aren't you glad God doesn't play favorites? Hey, when the early Christians in Jerusalem heard about this Cornelius household thing, they were very skeptical. Acts chapter 11 tells us that Peter had to go explain himself. They called him on the carpet. Now, what's happened here? What's happened here? It went against, it went against everything they've been taught all their lives. It sort of pulled the rug out from under them. What if we let outsiders become God's people too? What will that do to us insiders? Peter had the same misgivings at first, obviously, he grew up that way. But after seeing the Holy Spirit show off at Cornelius' house, <laughs> I mean, he, he told the church in Jerusalem the story, and they finally agreed. Gentiles get to be Christians too. <laughs> Look at Acts eleven eighteen. 18. It says, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. That's, that's what the scripture says. He says, look, hey, look, obviously God's doing something that we don't know. Look, folks, everybody listen to this way. God doesn't see people as insiders and outsiders. God doesn't see them. He reads hearts. He reads minds. He reads motives. His word makes it plain. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. His word says, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The word says, here there are no Gentiles or Jews, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. The scripture says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit. Folks, God offers salvation to Gentiles. God offers salvation to Roman centurions. God offers salvation to despised tax collectors. God offers salvations to drug addicts. God offers salvations to alcoholics. God offers salvation to bank robbers. God offers salvation to psychopaths. God offers salvations to confused church kids. God offers salvation to judgmental church people. God offers salvation to people who don't speak King James English. God offers salvation to anyone and everyone. Everyone. God doesn't play favorites. Which brings me to my second point. Number two. 
If God doesn't play favorites, neither should we. Now, folks, let that sink in. When the Holy Spirit was poured out at Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California in 1906, it began one of the most powerful revivals to, to, to hit the world. When the Holy Spirit was poured out at Azusa Street, the revival there lasted between 1906 and 1912 every day. Did you hear that? Between 1906 and 1912, every single day, people, people came from all over the world. And guess who was the person who brought that revival, who really sort of was the one who ushered it in? Oh yeah, it was the ultimate outsider. His name was William Seymour. He was an African-American preacher with little formal education, the son of a former slave in Texas, born five years after the Civil War. There he is. He led this amazing revival that was attended by the rich and the poor, black, white, brown, Asian. That was in 1906, which, by the way, was the height of the Jim Crow years, where Jim Crow years were laws in government that separated white and black by edict of law. And it held on all the way to the mid-1960s in parts of the South. That's the conversation I had with my mom was in the 60s. The Assembly of God Church that you're sitting in this morning was a direct result of the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. Did you know that? An attender of that revival visited an alabaster home and prayed for a young lady's healing. God's miraculous power at a prayer meeting demonstrated brought the full gospel message to Alabaster, Alabama, and they eventually established the Kingwood Church in 1920s. Maybe that's why today the, the faces and the colors in this audience look a whole lot like they did at Azusa Street in 1906. Amen. You remember my mom saying, Mark, I don't know, that's just the way things are. Well, I want to tell you something. In a spirit-filled church, this is the way things are. Amen? Listen to, listen to me. There's not one person here today who's any less welcome or any more welcome than any other person sitting in this church. If you feel like you're not as good as some others around here in the, in the sanctuary, you're wrong. Lift your head and look up. God has decided to show grace on people who feel like they're non-deserving. If you feel like you're more worthy to come to this church than somebody else here, you're wrong too. You're standing in this church and with God rests solely upon his grace. <laughs> if you want standing or seniority or credit because of how much work you've done at Kingwood Church or how much money you've given through the offering plate, you're not getting it. Because <laughs> the Bible says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And if you're convicted today, what I just said, lift up your head. God will also bestow grace on the repentant. So I'll tell you what, we're all here at the same level. 
Folks, our, our social order in America is really, really screwed up about insiders and outsiders. Even in faith settings. How many consider a person an outsider because they're not cool enough, rich enough, young enough, old enough, political enough, tolerant enough, respectful enough, sharp enough, thin enough, smart enough, degreed enough, weird enough, or doesn't agree with my viewpoint enough? People work so hard to be an insider, but they use their own estimations of what that means. And it bleeds over sometimes. It bleeds over into churches, and it shows up in church. We should banish forever in our minds that there are some that are welcome and some that are not welcome. There are some that are worthy and some that are unworthy. That any of us are better than anybody else. Early Jews and Jesus had to even follow it. They had to learn the truth. Acts 10 and 11 makes it plain today. Everyone is welcome. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. If we ever look at other sins as worse than our own, we're not recognizing the depth of our own sins. Remember Sister Mac? Remember Sister Mac? A few weeks after that awful scene at the church, um, well, well, you know, remember the scene, I, I brought the girls in and set them on, they sat on the back row and Sister Mac, by the way, sat on the front row sulking. A few weeks after that scene, she called me and asked me, because she couldn't drive, asked me to drive her to a city several hours away so that she could visit her son who was in prison. I agreed because it gave me a great opportunity to talk to Sister Mac. I expected it to be a real difficult conversation. <laughs> but the truth was she asked me to do that because she wanted to apologize for what she had done. We discussed it and we spoke about that type of legalism that, that drives people away from Christ and away from the church. And on the ride home she admitted she thought her son was probably in prison because of her harsh legalistic rules she had placed on him that drove him away from church as a young person. It was an aha moment for Sister Mac. And I hope she made things right with him later. I don't really know. I, I never found that out. I know that A.W. Tozier wrote this. Quote, we've all learned the pains, earned the pains of hell. But God's love and grace allows us to enjoy the bliss of heaven. We're all there. Now, I gave you my two simple points. God doesn't play favorites, and if God doesn't, we shouldn't. Now, I want to ask you my one simple question. Everybody listen carefully. Do you see yourself as an insider or an outsider? I guess we have to ask ourselves, do I see myself as an insider, and what qualifies me to be an insider? Or I see myself as an outsider, and what causes me to feel like an outsider? Well, that's an honest question to ask. I, you know, I grew up in the church. I, 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 we were talking in a family setting the other night, last night actually. We were this is my incredible cousin, Nanda, and her daughter, Rebecca, who were just awesome. 
they're just awesome. I'm glad you're here. We were talking last night. We, we all grew up in church. We grew, I mean, we, I would never say to my parents, are we going to church today? It was like, what? I would, I'd get a spanking if I asked that question. They weren't legalistic, but we went to church, you know. I would consider myself a big-time insider. I've known all about church stuff all of my life. I am, I am an insider. And I know that. And sometimes that makes me feel, turn things on myself and want to please all the other insiders. And I, I have to see myself that way. And there's some of you in this place, you feel so totally like an outsider. You probably weren't sure where to park because you hadn't been to church enough to, to do so. You weren't sure exactly what to do when you came in. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like an insider. I, I've, got, I've got an answer for no matter what you answered that. Am I an insider or an outsider? I've got an answer for both of you that God wants to say to you today. Okay, to all the outsiders, here's what the Lord says. Come on inside. Come on and sit at the Lord's table. <laughs> You're welcome in this family. He'll forgive you. He'll love you. He'll change you from the inside out. He'll show you the reason he placed you on this earth. Outsiders. We invite you to come on in. We don't have Sister Mac at the door. <laughs> to insiders, listen carefully. Insiders, we're sitting at the table of the Lord. It's time to get up from the table and walk outside and compel them to come in. The Lord wants his table full. That's what God says to us. You know what we say to ourselves sometimes? The outsiders say, oh, I'm not, I'm not like these people. I, I don't fit here. I don't fit here. I'm too far gone. I don't fit here. This isn't my world. It's a lie. You know what insiders say? Insiders say, man, we got, we got to make all the insiders happy here. We got to fluff up the cushions and make sure the menu gets like we want it to be. And Hey, you know what we need to do? We need to feel real good. We need to really get full today. Hey, I want to get full. I want to just, I want to break it in. I want to, that's, that's, our, that's our temptation. The truth is, I want to say to the outsider, come on, come on, look at this incredible table the Lord has. Insiders, get up from the table. Invite them to come in and sit with you. The master does want his table full. I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and I think they're ready. In just a moment, we're going to all stand. And a, a prayer team is just going to come and scatter themselves across the front here. And I want you to ask yourself the question, now am I an insider or an outsider? And if you're an outsider today, I do invite you to the Lord's table. This could be the first, first step that you take is to walk down and let somebody just pray with you so that you can know that Jesus belongs to you. He wants to know you. It doesn't matter what you ask to pray about either. It's It's okay. Anything you want to say, you can come here and meet with someone. I just want you to feel welcome. 
And maybe, maybe you're, may, you may be afraid to walk down this aisle. Well, right where you are, just say, God, I want to be in your family. God will hear your prayers. He heard Cornelius. Cornelius didn't know God. And, and, and God heard him. I invite you to come to the table. Insiders. Insiders, maybe you want to come and say, wow. God revealed to me, I've been spending all my time stuffing myself at the table. I can't even hardly get up out of my chair. God, I want you to help me. Help me, Lord. Lord, I want to make a commitment. I'm walking outside. I'm going to compel someone to come in. I'm going to let my influence not be known inside the building, but outside the building. I'm I'm going to do what you told me to do. And maybe you just want to come and make a commitment to God. Maybe just stand here and say, God, I commit myself to no longer be a blind insider. But to be an insider who lives on the outside. Maybe that's the commitment you need to make. I don't know what God's saying to you today, but I know that that song we sang, The Lord is in this place, He is definitely in this place. This is your opportunity to connect with Jesus right now. I don't want you to waste it. Would everyone stand with me? Would you stand with me? Prayer team, would you come and and put yourselves in the front? We're going to ask you, in the name of Jesus, we've got time. We just want you to come and connect with somebody at this place. If you've got, hey, if you've just got a prayer request, you want to bring to the table. Come on. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. Would y'all see Come on, step out right now in the name of Jesus. Can't go back to the beginning. I can't control what tomorrow will bring. God's but moving in your heart. Just come on, be with someone right insiders this message will speak to the outsiders and that Lord you will allow your incredible spirit to draw us together as one at your table and let it be full God your spirit is here you're doing work in people's hearts that we don't even know about Lord I ask you to finish that work in the name of of Jesus in the name of Jesus guys I want to thank you for being here today join us at soak tonight okay